Welcome to Film Courage. My name is Karen Warden. And my name is David Brandon. Today we are on the line with Asher Grodman. Asher, how long have you been making films? <laughs> how long have I been making films? Uh, as an actor, I've been making them for, I don't know, I guess about a, a, a decade or so. In that, somewhere in that range, yeah. About a decade or so. This film was my first time uh, directing a film that wasn't, you know, like a, a project. Um, wasn't like a school project. And, um, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, as a director, it's just been, been this guy right here. Oh, okay. So the train is... The train, is... yes. Now, forgive me, uh, you, you were making films for 10 years, so were you a teenager making films uh, at yes. some point? Yes. As, well, as an actor, you know, um, I would just get different jobs here and there and, um, and, you know, work on that side of the camera. And uh, when I went to college, um, I went to college at, at Columbia in New York, uh, there's a wonderful film program there. And uh, I wanted to study something that wasn't wasn't acting because I, I you know been doing acting, been acting, and uh, film was kind of the next uh, next step for me. And as a kid, growing up in the middle of nowhere, uh, a lot of social interaction and learning social interaction came from watching movies. So uh, I got into you know getting watching all these old movies and film theory and all this uh, this different kind of uh, material. Um, and so the seed of kind of directing and screenwriting especially was implanted in college. And um, then the idea for this film came, film came about, and we, uh, we got to it. And Asher, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up um, in a very rural part of New Jersey and, and in New York, kind of uh, back and forth. Okay. Um, just because I was an actor, a lot of my life, once I hit high school outside of the where I went to school, my life became very New York-centric uh, with auditions and things like that. And so, Asher, I'm, I'm curious, how many years is college behind you? How many years is college behind me? College is four years behind me, five years behind me. And so from this point forward, how long do you plan to be in the movie business? <laughs> how long do I plan to be in the movie business? As long as yeah. I can do it. I, I love it, man. I love it. I think, I think if that's not your answer to the question, you might be in the wrong business because it is a pretty, uh, pretty rough go if you're not, not in love with it. Why is it rough? Well, I mean, uh, I can speak as an actor, and I think it's even harder as a director. Um, it's hard to get work, you know? And even if you want to create on your own, which I think at this stage and how film is evolving, I mean, it's like, I think with every passing year, and especially it's just been, um, the pace has been heightened in the last 20 years, especially, you know, film, the filmmaking process has been completely democratized. Anyone can make a movie anywhere. And so you have to kind of be something of a self-starter. So unless you got to make them on your own, you're depending on someone else for, for work. And then if you are going to make them on your own, um, you're probably dependent to some degree on someone else to provide some kind of uh, funding for you. So it's a difficult, um, difficult path. And then, of course, as a director, and my heart goes out to directors, um, you know, there's any number of actors in a project. There's one director, and it takes a lot for someone to trust, especially a first-time director, with, with anything. Um, 
I think that's why short films are so um, uh, important and, uh, and, and special because uh, it's a way for a director to start kind of making their mark, you know, to get a sense of what their language is and to showcase that. So knowing how difficult this is, um, <laughs> have you toiled with the thoughts that filmmaking may just be a hobby or a career? Like when you're awake at 3 a.m. tossing and turning, thinking about things, I don't know, just, just assuming that we all do this. Um, do you say to yourself, maybe this is just a hobby or I'm ready to have this as my career no matter how hard it is? Well, I mean, again, it's been my career as an actor for about a decade. Um, so that's been what I, what I do. Um, in terms of writing and directing, if I'm toiling up at 3, um, 3 a.m., I'm probably <laughs> thinking of... Um, uh, you know, story ideas and things like that. I mean, I, um, I, I've always just been very excited by stories. And even if it's just retell uh, retelling something that has occurred or a story has been made up, there's something about the storytelling process that is exciting to me. Watching and, um, and watching an audience go through a journey, leading an audience through a journey is, um, is just a great joy. So I'm, I, I have every intention of doing this for, for my life, with my life. Great. Do you remember the, the moment you decided that um, acting at that point in time was going to be what you're going to do with your life? Oh, um, well, I do know that um, when I was in middle school, the way it started was I was the only kid in my entire middle school who was not in the school musical. And um, I walked out of school one day at like 2.30 when it was, school was over. And I was the only kid there. My mom drove up and she was like, where is everyone? And I said, they're at rehearsal. And she said, you get back in there and do the show. And I only agreed to do it because I had a huge crush on a girl in the play. And, uh, and in the next year, I did the play again. And I actually got to play the lead. And it was... For me, being a very shy kid, it, it kind of threw me into a social setting. It threw me into, um, yeah, I, I started forming connections with people. I kind of, um, there was a thrill to it. And so I think around then, like it's like eighth grade, um, was when I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and it would take a few years for me to figure out that I could do it. But I knew it's what I wanted. You're not the first. You're not the first person to say that someone of the opposite sex is, is sort of the one that sort of like got got you into acting. Yes, I, I as I've yes I've I, I've heard the stories. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. So was that an easy decision? It sounds like even if you if you do have insomnia, it's it's happy insomnia because you're thinking of different story ideas. But I mean, when you thought about the sort of long road ahead of you, like yes, you were in eighth grade or however old you were. And it, it might have been fun then, but like when you think about it, was it really an easy decision for you to say, I'm turning my life over to this no matter what happens? Well, at that age, yeah, because, you know, everything's in front of you. You're, you're thrilled, you're excited at the prospect of this, and you're still in a place. I have wonderful parents who um, had always, you know, they put pressure on me, but a lot of the pressure was um, from a place of support and find something that excites you. What excites you? And this was something that excited me. And so when I got a hold of it, I ran with it. 
the reasons that I have done it have changed and evolved over the years. But again, they all go back to a sense of story of storytelling and kind of trying to commune with another person or, or an audience or even just the person you're working with. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was an easy decision for me. Uh, yeah, definitely an easy decision. It was, an, I mean, I'll say this. It was an exciting decision. Are you an only child, Asher? No, I have a younger brother. The younger brother is oh, here. Yeah. Okay. Younger. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. great. I was just wondering, because you, you talked about communing with people, and, and I know for a lot of artists, we're more in our head, and, <laughs> and there's like a sense of loneliness sometimes, and maybe well, that's what type, I, you know, yes. gets us out to do projects, is to be able to mesh with people and share ideas. I'll tell you, I'm, so I'm, I'm doing a play right now in Baltimore, Baltimore Center Stage, doing Pride and Prejudice out here. Oh, and great. it is, you sit in a room with people, and this is, this cast and crew is, they're just so, t I'm blown away by these people. And you go to work every day and you're part of creating something larger than yourself. And that kind of, I use the word commune because it is, it's, you're creating this community uh, and it is, I mean, I'm, I'm giddy going to this rehearsal hall every single day. Um, I'm just elated. So yeah, I think that there is something, um, maybe there is something in, in artists or in, uh, in this need to create that is a, um, I certainly responded to when you said this loneliness, this kind of need to connect and be present with people with, uh, um, who are also on a similar journey. Um, and perhaps when you're focused on creating something else, it's not so much about uh, whether or not you deserve to be here or your own sense of value or anything like that. You're part of something larger than yourself, and that's, uh, that is exciting. That is very exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I look at sort of the decision, the, early, the decision you made, the excitement that was there. That's sort of the fun part of it. And then when you actually go after it, <laughs> comes the, the business side of it, the career side of it. Is that side of it what you imagined it to be? No, when I was younger, it was much worse. It was uh, harder than I ever imagined it to be. And then there were times when it felt impossible. Um, and what I would do is I have a mindset that says it's not going the way I want it to go. So how can I make myself better? How can I improve? And um, that was a very, that was in me at a young age. And then I think it evolved into how can I be braver or more courageous? So I was very limited in my scope. I tried to avoid theater and just stick with film and, um, and stay in that world. And then when I got out of college, um, I uh, spent some time in London did a little Shakespeare, uh, which I was terrified of doing. I grew up dyslexic. Um, and uh, I just got my ass handed to me. Forgive me if I can't use that language. I got my butt handed to me. Um, and uh, it was a very humbling experience, but I also saw what it was like when people do it very well. And so I um, said, I, you know, I, I want to figure out how to do this. I want to go to grad school for, for theater, for acting. And then um, applied and, and uh, ended up choosing to go to ACT in San Francisco, American Conservatory Theater, which I loved um, and got a lot out of. So, and, and now since um, getting out, I consider myself incredibly lucky. I have an agent and a manager who I'm crazy about. I love them. And, um, and it's a very different experience um, 
when you have a team around you who's excited and uh, and passionate and driven, um, and who are who who you can be yourself with. Um, so, I guess what my answer to your question would be: um, it's harder than I expected it to be, but it makes me appreciate the people on your side, on my side, uh, even more. And, um, and you appreciate the successes more. You appreciate how hard success is, even the small ones. Forgive me, but, but why did you, you get your backside handed to you? I mean, what, what was it? I know, no, really, but when you look at it in hindsight, forgive the pun, please. Yeah. But what, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what was, was it, it that you, um, um, that, that really made you challenged there? Well, I'll tell you, that, um, that is certainly a question to ask the people in London. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would say, well, a few things. One is that my, coming from film, which is essentially a behavioral medium, so what you see is much more important than what you hear. Obviously, the sound is very important, but you can do a lot with, a look or a tilt or a thing, you know, something like that, a lot more than with a line of dialogue. So I was coming more from that world, and Shakespeare, of course, is the exact opposite. With Shakespeare, the language is not only language, it's the thought. You're literally, you're, you're expressing the thought of the character. There's some that's just dialogue, but a lot of them, a lot of it is really you're on the thought. Um, so that was a huge leap for me. And then the other thing for me, was, which was difficult, was um, I, I hadn't really worked enough on physicality. Um, so my physicality seemed very much like uh, a kid in New York <laughs> um, in whatever it was, 2010, 2011. Um, since you go away and uh, going to grad school, and now I'm doing Pride and Prejudice, you know? Uh, it's a very different physicality and world and one that I'm now comfortable with. So it takes some, it takes time to get, it, it's not, there's a craft to this. Um, in film, you can get away with a lot of things. There's a lot of other things you have to focus on and learn. But there are certain things in theater that, um, well, if you're not good at it, theater will make it very obvious that you're not good at it. Um, film can help you a little bit. Sure, sure. Do you ever think that, you know, maybe you could have chosen to do something that was easier, that has more of a set path, or no, that never crosses your mind? I'll tell you, the only thing at this point that I thought when I was younger, I loved, I loved building things. And um, there was a time I thought I might be a lawyer, but that wasn't gonna happen. Um, I, I always, I loved like architecture, I loved things like that. And the funny thing actually was that when I got into college um, and I started doing screenwriting, uh, studying screenwriting, um, that became like, like, uh, like Legos to me. Putting story structure together became like a puzzle that it fit. And there was a way to make it seamless and smooth and exciting and, and, and develop and drop and rise. and. Um, it became, and I had a mind that enjoyed math and things like that too, so there were the structural analysis of screenplays and, and um, creation of screenplays really, really excited me. So, uh, no, I don't have thoughts now that I want to do anything else. I enjoy teaching. I do love doing that. But um, the, the same things that would have 
pulled me in a different direction have actually pulled me even deeper into um, in, in this direction. How much time have you spent writing, Asher? Uh, I write a little bit every day. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is that I, I just write. Um, I, uh, I think it's important to kind of um, get your thoughts out on the page and get, and, and whatever it leads you to. Sometimes you may start writing and you write a letter to someone, you write a scene, you write a, um, uh, any kind of dialogue or monologue or things like that. Um, so it's just kind of a free flow thing and then sometimes something grabs you and you just start exploring that and going after that and, and, um, and it kind of takes its form. So uh, I don't do it every day. I strive to do it every day. But um, it's kind of like working out, working out a part of your brain. You want to exercise your body, you want to work out your brain, work out your creative side. Asher, I get the sense that you think very deeply and, uh, and passionately about so many things. Is that a blessing and a curse? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So? Yes, it is. Blessing and a curse. It means you, um, things you experience, you experience very heavily. And, um, and then you just kind of experience everything heavily. And you get moments that you're just tired of experiencing things. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's certainly, um, you have to kind of manage it. It's the gift, you know, if you're sensitive, I mean, gift sounds a little obnoxious, but um, there's a way that you can be like tied up by your own sensitivity or there's a way that you can kind of use it to create. Uh, I would spend a lot of my time hiding behind or hiding, hiding my sensitivity instead of thinking that it was a strength. Your new movie, The Train, is about yeah. a Holocaust survivor. What is your connection to that material? Well, so what happened for me was um, I was looking to, to make something. And um, my father had met this Holocaust survivor who told him the story of how, of how he survived, how he survived, um, how he escaped. And uh, he told me the story and it kind of stopped me in my tracks. The story, essentially, this man... Um, was on a train headed to he knew not where um, and it would be the equivalent of the police telling you just get on this train this is what you're going to do get on the train and every logical um, impulse would be okay I'm going to stay on this train I'm going to do this thing and he sensed something he sensed um, there was some fear in him he didn't understand why uh, if he had been, spent all this time at a labor camp why there were women and children on the train he didn't it didn't add up to him. He was 14 years old. And there was some strange thing that occurred and the train had to stop for a few moments on the tracks and he busted through the side of the train and jumped off. Um, there was no logical reason for why he did it and his father was yelling at him and saying, what are you doing? This is crazy. Of course, his father didn't jump because his mother was in another boxcar. And because of this impulsive action in a single moment, it yielded an entire life. And of course, the train was headed to a to one of the, the death camps. Um, so I was taken aback by the fact that an entire life could exist in a single moment. Um, and uh, when I heard the story, I thought, okay, so I got to find a train. I got to find some kids. I got to, you know, and I just don't have the budget to do that. So, um, well, sorry. The next step was I went out to meet the real the real man. And when I spoke to him, or when he spoke to me, I should say. 
um, I got the sensation in my body, like he, he spoke in this rhythm and this, um, this way that, I don't know if you've had this, but some people will speak in a certain, um, a certain way that it sends like a tingling sensation through your body and suddenly your muscles just release and time kind of slows down and you're kind of pulled into their own, their rhythm. And yeah. that happened to me and time kind of slowed and moments became something that was more palpable. And I thought, how can I tell this story? And so I gave up on the idea of trying to shoot it in the time and place in which it occurred um, and said, what if I can just try to express this story, um, express the way the sensations that I went through and make it a, 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 and, and tell the story visually. So the way I did it was by having a three character story where um, a young man is very, very preoccupied and, and not present, not in the moment, not there at all. And he's focused on the next five things he has to do. And he comes to, uh, he's brought to meet his girlfriend's grandfather, who's the polar opposite of that. And he offends a little bit at the table and then gets um, called out. And here's this story, um, kind of unexpectedly. And um, kind of goes through that experience. And then there's a little, there's some developments that occur. Um, and then, of course, uh, the legendary um, Eli Wallach plays the, uh, plays Andre, the Holocaust survivor, grandfather, who, um, uh, for me, this whole project is, is, is for and about Eli. Um, he was, he was the gem of the whole thing. So that's, that's, I, you know, he, he was amazing. So from hearing you speak uh, today, it sounds like you were like so obsessed with it from maybe the point that you met this gentleman or that even when you heard the story, at what point were you just like so locked in that there was no turning back for you? I was curious when my father told me the story. When I met the real man, I was really, really locked in. Um, uh, yeah, when I was really locked in. But I gotta tell you, then the whole other level came when, when Eli wanted to do it. When Eli wanted to do this, um, the passion that he brought to it, uh, that, that it just changed the game, even for me. I mean, I, this is a story I wanted to tell, but um, like this was like life limit, uh, imitating no, Speaking art. of Eli, I mean, did, did, like how did you get him involved? Did he audition? Like how did you reach out? How did, <laughs> no, how did no, he no. Become Eli Wallach does not have with? to audition for me. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> not at all. I'll tell you, I, I, really, I was having a really hard time with this because I'm trying to find an actor in their 80s and 90s who's still doing it. And it's hard, man. Um, <laughs> people people aren't, aren't doing it that, at that age. Um, and uh, it got to the point that I was driving out to Queens to ask the real Andre to play himself. And um, it was very clear that that wasn't, that wasn't gonna be right, it wasn't appropriate, and it just, it just wasn't gonna work. Um, so I'm driving back to Manhattan and a few months prior, I had auditioned for this play that unfortunately never actually um, went into production. But the audition went well, and in the room was Roberta Wallach, who was Eli's, uh, who is Eli's daughter. Um, incredibly talented actress who I knew years prior. We were in, we were in an acting class together. And she's amazing, um, but certainly a fierce protector of her father. So I, uh, 
Roberta called me out of the clear blue as I'm driving back to Manhattan to tell me that, you know, congratulate me on the, congratulate me on the audition. And uh, I said, Roberta, I can't believe you're calling me. It's so crazy. Um, fortuitous. And I, I have this thing that I wrote with your father in mind, because when you write the role of an old Jewish man, you just, Eli Wallach has a monopoly on the um, demographic. Um, you picture Eli. So I said, would he be willing to read it? And she said, no. And I said, okay. Um, I said, well, would you be willing to read it? And she said, absolutely not. And I said, okay, well, um, could I just email it to you and then you can just reject it on your own time? And she said, yes, that I will do. Um, so, I mean, of course, this is, you know, a daughter protecting her father and I completely understood. Um, and so I, you know, moved on and, and appreciated the call and, and, uh, and that was it. And then I started auditioning um, actresses to play the granddaughter. And I'm in the middle of that process, and I get a phone call from an old man with a Belgian accent. Belgian accent. And he starts telling me how he survived the Holocaust and the character's story. And about three minutes into the conversation, he asks me what I thought of his Belgian accent. And it was Eli. Oh, wow. And Eli had been working with it. He was playing with it. He was, you know, thinking what, what it could be and wanted to talk. When, when are we going to do this? What's, you know, what's the plan? I said, when do you want to do it? Let's do it. Um, and, uh, and so he, I mean, he was working on it. He, he loved it. He was, I mean, he, he just loved, he loved his work. He loved the craft. And um, so, uh, and don't get me wrong. I was a first-time director. I had, I, I wrote it. I had the audacity to put myself in it. Um, it was, uh, I was terrified. Because Eli Wallach, number one, is a legend. Number two, has been, I mean, the man was Marlon Brando's landlord. He's been around, like, from the beginning. Um, and he's, you know, one of the original Method guys, and everyone was telling me, you know, he's, this is, you know, you got a real player here. You, you, better, you better be ready. And I was terrified, and Eli showed up the first day of shooting, and he had gifts for everyone. He had pictures. From World War II, he had, I mean, he was, he was everything you could possibly, you know, wish for. And I'll tell you, um, again, it's the, I said life imitated art, because I'm there trying to direct this thing, and, you know, there was, there was no, like, producer on this project, so I'm producing it, I'm, you know, I'm, everything that you see in this film is entirely my fault. Um, and uh, I'm running around like a madman. Eli, on the other hand, we shot outside, and Holding was inside this restaurant. And Eli took a chair and put it against the doorway on the inside. And he sat in that chair. And right in the doorway where people were going in and out. And if anyone ever had a moment when he wasn't shooting, if anyone ever had a moment, they could come and join him. And he would just tell them stories. And that's what he did. And he loved it. He loved he lo I, I, he just loved commun communing with anyone who had the time. So he was very much in his element, and it became that kind of the. It, it was kind of the movie acting itself out, to be honest. Wow, that's fascinating. Forgive me. I, I believe this was Eli Wallach's last movie performance. Is that right? Um, well, it's the last one that anyone is is seeing. Um, A scene. Okay. I believe he he shot an episode of Nurse Jackie. Um, after we oh. filmed. 
to the best of my knowledge, but I'm not sure if that's true. Okay, well, considering that it, it was one of his last ones, was there anything that you wished you could have gone back and done differently? Or, or did everything go just in, in a sort of a magical way? Well, two things. One, I really wish I had a producer. That was a, a very, um, that was a, a desperate decision. On, I made the decision I had to make to make the, sure the film happens. The other big thing was, um, you know, as I said, I'm an actor. A uh, chance to act opposite Eli Wallach is like a dream come true. Um, and, uh, but when you get on set and when you're directing a film, your first priority is to make sure that at the end of this process, a film occurs, like a, a there's a movie in the can that it, it will <laughs> exist. Um, so we got on set and I had Eli and I put all my focus and energy into making sure that we got all of Eli's shots done first. So I covered all of Eli, and then my lovely actress, Dawn Cantwell, who's, who's in it, um, who actually was just in um, Sting's musical on Broadway, The Last Ship, who's wonderful. Um, it was her first film role. So I made sure that she got to shoot all of her stuff with Eli. And that, uh, that covered uh, our first two days of shooting. And then we lost Eli. Um, he had, a, he, he had a, uh, conflicts, and, and, and we knew we only had him for two days. So by the time it came to shoot any of my shots, uh, Eli was not available. So my entire performance in the film is played across from an old family friend in his 90s <laughs> who never acted before and fell asleep early into the first shot. <laughs> and my mother, who is off screen, reading Eli's lines to me. So... <laughs> If you asked me if there was anything that I could have changed, yes, I would have preferred to act with Eli. But uh, the film exists, and for that I am very grateful. And so, um, under the circumstances, I, I, we, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we got to this point. Uh, Asher, you know, I love that story you told of, um, of Eli calling you on the phone as the character. And, and another great story with this film um, I guess as regards to when we think of one of the, the busiest filmmakers in the world, one of them has to be Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. So what, what is the story of him watching this movie <laughs> and, and, and sending you a quote? Well, I'll tell you, I had a friend of mine, um, he's a dear friend who I love, and um, I didn't really know um, that, that he had any connection. Um, and I sent him the film, and he said... Um, uh, could I share this with Steven Spielberg? And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, no, you can't. He's not allowed to see this movie. Um, no, I said, yes, of course you can. Send it right away. Um, and, uh, and then he wrote me back that, that quote. And I said, can I use this? And he said, yes, you can. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a very unexpected and very pleasant surprise. That, that, that's a nice friend of a friend there. That is a nice friend of a friend, yes. I, I have no need to be asking any more favors. I got, I got every, every dream I could ever ask for on that one. Yeah. Uh, how would you like the train to be remembered? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, be remembered, I don't know. I would... There would when Eli passed away, um, it was two days before we finished the score, it was last summer. And, uh, and I came very close to 
just dropping the whole thing and saying this doesn't this isn't right I shouldn't do it um, the, 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 it, I was a first time director this film could be better and I shouldn't I, people should this should not be the last thing that people see that Eli did this should not be his last film and um, and then I thought back to um, and people got mad at me and said you're crazy and you know and then I thought back to what Eli did on set and how he was there and speaking to everyone and telling these stories and how he loved the audience. And then I have this image of Eli slapping me across the face because I didn't release this film. And, um, and I was like, okay, fine. Yes, this film, people need to see this film. So I guess my hope with this is that on some level, um, it's an honor to Eli and uh, fulfills what he would have wanted. Um, and I think that if people look at this film and if they get, you know, if you get the sense of um, appreciation of a moment, that's wonderful. And I would love that. And that's obviously what the story is about. But if you come away from it thinking, my God, this actor is amazing. And he just loved to work and loved storytelling and loved um, and to the point that he would do this film, this little film there was no guarantee anyone was going to see with this director who didn't know what he was doing or was just learning on the fly. Um, if they come away with a deep appreciation for Eli Wallach, then that's, that's kind of the thing that I would want the most. I owe him a huge debt of gratitude um, for doing this. And um, so I, I, would, I would hand it all over to Eli. Oh, you know, that's beautiful. You know, and I think that's also you know, a beautiful way to sort of uh, sum up this conversation. You know, for those that have been tuned, tuning in and, and have listened to this point, is there, is there an opportunity now for them to see the film? What, what's what's well, up next for the train? It's been, a, it's been an exciting, um, exciting season for us, actually. We just had our world premiere up at the Rhode Island International Film Festival, which was wonderful, and audiences were uh, incredibly um, excited. Nice. And, and, we, and we got an award up there, which was fantastic. And we just, uh, it's now official, we will be having our international premiere at the Vancouver International Film Festival, nice. which is very exciting. Yeah, and then we're going to be, um, there's going to be one, uh, we'll have a screening at a film festival over in Rutgers in New Jersey, so I can go back home for a little bit. Um, and, uh, and then it'll, it'll be a, a running, you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes next. We're out to a bunch of different places. And... Um, you know, we'll see. That's, that's the exciting thing about the film festival circuit, which we are, you know, still in the midst of, is that if you if you throw a net out there, you can get anything back. We could be in Warsaw, we could be in New York, we could be in L.A., we could be, you know, anywhere. So it's uh, it's an exciting time, and then eventually it'll be online, and you can just YouTube it, and it's right there. But but while we can go fly places, we're gonna do that. <laughs> and what's next for Asher Grodman? creatively as an well, actor as a filmmaker next for Asher Grobman is to is to open Pride and Prejudice here at Baltimore Center Stage which I'm thrilled to do which will be opening uh, I don't know what is today's date today is the okay 17th so I got um, that'll be September 11th we're going to open start previews here in Baltimore and then we'll run for a little bit and then uh, after that I don't know it's you know we'll, we'll see what's what's next there's another film on the back burner that I have a uh, I've written and I'm still trying to figure out what my role in it um, would be whether it's um, acting or directing because it will not be both um, <laughs> and 
So that's 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 what's on the table at the moment. But you never know in this game. You never know what'll pop up. Well, Asher, we want to thank you for taking time to um, to speak to Film Courage, sharing a little bit of your, your you know, your, your stories, your experiences, and um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. We want to thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, Asher. It's my pleasure. I think the the name of the of the show is very appropriate because uh, I have often felt. <laughs> uh, that it requires a level of courage to uh, to do any of this. Because at the end of the day, there's this feeling when you when you see something up on a big screen and there's an audience of a few hundred people there to watch what you did, and you feel completely responsible and completely powerless uh, to make any any changes at that point. So there is a sense of uh, <laughs> you have to be courage. You have to close your eyes a little bit. Um, so uh, that's very an apt an apt name. So, but thank you so much for having me on. I've had a it's been a pleasure. Oh, you're very welcome, and, and thank you. And Asher, where can people find out more about you online? Oh, um, I have a website which is www.ashergrodman.com. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, which I've recently gotten on. It's a very new experience for me, uh, and that's just at um, at Asher Grodman. So at A S H E R G R O D M A N. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And then especially if you want to follow the film, the film uh, is uh, www.trainshortfilm.com. Again, that's trainshortfilm.com. And then you can follow the film out at, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. That, that's um, at trainshortfilm. And uh, we're on Facebook as well, trainshortfilm. Excellent. Awesome. All great, right. Great job, Asher. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Asher. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.